0: My guest today covers the Supreme Court for a living, and it turns out that even when he tries to escape his work... Which His work has a way of finding him.
1: We, I went to Florida to visit my family for the first time in a long time. And we went to Destin, uh, which is this beautiful beach with like super white sand and green water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, finally, I don't have to think about the Supreme Court. It's just about the beach today. And I realized to my horror that the exact beach we were staying on was at the heart of a major Supreme Court case really? that I know a lot about, <laughs> where basically the city of Destin Wanted to build up the beach and extend it out. And all of the hotel owners who owned the beach at that point were like, no, you can't do that because we own the beach. And if you extend it, then there's going to be a public beach in front of our beach. So the Supreme (laughs) Court. How dare there
0: be a public beach? (laughs) Exactly, for the hoi
1: polloi. So the Supreme Court ruled against the hotel owners. And so there is a public beach there. But as we discovered, The hotels continue to lie about the public access to this beach and have signs everywhere that say private property, no trespassing, you are not allowed on this beach. And when we got to our Airbnb, there was this little packet like your legal rights on the Destin beach. (laughs) It was insane.
0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. Today, we are talking all about the Supreme Court arguably our favorite branch of government, for sure the one that's closest to making believe we all live at Hogwarts, and also maybe the most powerful. And the ropes are cool, too. This summer, the court will rule on a handful of cases that could possibly have big repercussions for a lot of Americans in their daily lives. We'll talk about a few of the more interesting cases and why you should care about them. A summer preview, if you will, of the Supreme Court blockbusters, And who else to talk about all of this with other than Mark Joseph Stern, a man who has described
1: the state of this court currently as Uh, tense, touchy and terrifying would be my three. Sounds like me.
0: Mark writes about the Supreme Court for Slate.
1: Court that cares very much about putting on airs in public and presenting itself mm. as a really unified body and a bunch of collegial folks. But when you read what they are saying in these opinions, they are mad at each other. And to be, Wait, really?
0: to be we clear, will get into that more. Plus, we'll talk about the Supreme Court's choice to hear arguments on two major cases next fall that are already making waves, including one that could fully overturn Roe v. Wade and what that says about the future of the court
1: and Elena Kagan is already basically accusing Kavanaugh of being a cynical hack. And Oops. just imagine how bad it's going to get by late June. I am honestly pretty excited for it. <laughs> what are the words that she said about Kavanaugh? Let's so just jump into it. She So she accused Kavanaugh of trying to insulate himself from criticism because he once ruled in favor of criminal defendants and then accused him of viewing judging as scorekeeping as though he gets points because he ruled in favor of criminal defendants once, and so he doesn't get to be criticized for terrible criminal justice decisions now.
0: Wow. Okay, that's a lot. But to make it plain for us, if this were a real housewife feud, what level of housewife feud would it be?
1: Uh, Like
0: a reunion special situation or just like an argument over lunch situation? I think it would be like
1: an argument over dinner with a table flip at the end. Oh! Oh, a table yeah. flip. Mm-hmm. Flipping the table. Well, I think Kagan is flipping the table at Brett. <laughs> I think so th- she's really mad. So, you know,
0: we know that all Supreme Courts, regardless of the makeup, have people who don't see eye to eye on some of these issues. So some conflict is to be expected. How, how far is this from the norm of decorum and arguing than usual?
1: Um, so look, with Scalia, there were more sharp elbows because Scalia kind of brought out the worst in everyone. And he was really Scalia mean. Scalia was Teresa from Jersey Housewives. That's correct. He he, he, <laughs> he was, was ready. That's right. He was absolutely ready. And um, everybody else just responded in kind. And so it kind of brought the court into these food fights that subsided for a few years. But they're coming back in a big way. And, and I'll tell you why. It's Interesting, kind of wonky, but basically what the conservative justices have decided to do is to overrule liberal precedent without acknowledging what they're doing. So they will pretend to adhere word is. to precedent. I read,
0: is it a shadow
1: docket? <laughs> that is part of it. That is a big okay. part of it. Okay. Uh, right. It is, I, I prefer stealth overruling for this. Um, that sounds they, cooler. And they sometimes do it on the shadow dockets, which we can talk about. Um, but what the court will do is say, oh, oh, yes, there's this liberal precedent and we're not going to overturn it. We're just going to shrink it down to its narrowest, skimpiest possible form and then stomp all over it and claim that we followed it. And this really drives the remaining liberal justices Hmm. crazy because they don't even get to have a fair fight about this precedent. Would liberals do the same if they had the numbers in reverse? No, I don't think so. Um, And maybe those are just my rosy-eyed glasses, but I, I think the... Issue here is that the conservative justice, particularly Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, they went before the Senate at very tense times and obviously both shifted the balance of the court, and they made promises. Two Republican senators like Susan Collins to say, we're not going to overturn precedent. And then they get on the court and they really want to overturn these liberal precedents, but they remember Susan Collins voted for them. So instead, they pretend like they're following them. And and I don't think liberal justices would have the same incentive. I think the liberal justices would want to, as a matter of like judicial hygiene, clear away these bad conservative precedents and just start with a clean slate.
0: Mm. Real Housewives of SCOTUS. Yep, you got it. So I want to talk about a few cases uh, in which oral arguments have already been presented and we're just waiting for the rulings. But before we even go there, we have to talk about two upcoming cases in the news right now. Just the fact that the Supreme Court decided to take these two cases says a lot. One concerns the right to abortion. The other potentially concerns the right to have a concealed weapon outside of the home. I feel like they're both big deals. Walk us through both briefly. You pick which one first.
1: Okay, well, we'll start with abortion. This is the grand herd around the world because yeah. this case is not an attempt to tinker around the edges of the right to an abortion. This case is directly... Aimed at Roe versus Wade, and and that's what liberals
0: have been saying for a while. Would happen if the makeup of the court skewed more conservative, right?
1: Exactly right. Um, There are a lot of abortion cases out there. There's constant litigation all across the country, and there's lots of different abortion restrictions: ultrasound laws, mandatory waiting periods, and counseling uh, laws targeting abortion clinics. And if the Supreme Court wanted to kind of slowly roll back abortion rights, then it could have taken any of those cases. And Mm -hmm. this case in particular out of Mississippi actually gave the justices a kind of buffet and said, you pick what you want to do here. And said, Mm -hmm. well, if you want to just sort of tweak the law, sort of modify the standard for abortion rights, then you can just do that. But it also said, hey, if you want to directly confront Roe, then we'd love for you to do that too. And that is exactly what the Supreme Court did. The Supreme Mm -hmm. Court swept away those other cases. It swept away those other questions. It's like if you were going straight for the one last egg roll at the Chinese buffet, the Supreme (laughs) Court reached out and said, we're just going to take this one question that says, basically, should we uphold or overturn Roe versus Wade?
0: Yeah. So then if you were a betting man, would you say by the end of 2022, don't expect Roe to be there?
1: I think that's right. Um, And I think by June of 2022, which is when I think this decision will probably come down, it looks very likely that Roe will be gone. All
0: right. That's abortion. was another case the court uh, picked up about concealed carry.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, So we all know the Supreme Court said there is an individual right to bear arms in the Second Amendment uh, many years ago. uh, And that was actually in 2008. There was a follow-up case in 2010. But since then, the Supreme Court has not taken on and decided any major gun cases. um, And that changed when Amy Coney Barrett joined the court. uh, And there was suddenly a six Justice Conservative majority. And the case comes out of New York, but there is roughly nine states, including California, that generally limit or ban concealed carry. And so if the court finds this constitutional right to concealed carry, it's not just going to affect these individuals who brought the case, and it's not just going to affect New York. It's going to affect all of those states that are suddenly going to see their concealed carry bans coming down by judicial order, and suddenly they'll have to adapt to the reality of guns
0: everywhere yeah yeah you know hearing you talk about this now 6-3 conservative court taking up cases on issues like concealed carry and abortion it makes it sound as if the court is perhaps more conservative than it's been for a long time like how ideologically pure is this court in this moment
1: Yeah. So that's a a tough question to answer. And I, I guess the short version is, you know, it doesn't really matter that much anymore because there's wiggle room with that sixth conservative justice. But, you know, the justices, except for Alito, are not Partisan hacks to the core. I do think that Sam Alito is a partisan hack to the core. Um, and that does occasionally lead to interesting decisions. And one recent example is about immigration. Um, so the federal government, and ICE in particular, was trying to basically get around this law that required the government to send a really clear notice of when it was going to start deportation proceedings and hold a deportation hearing. And the government would send this notice uh, in a series of letters that would trickle in. They'd say, OK, well, we're going to deport you. And then a month later, they'd say, by the way, you need to show up at this courthouse at this time. And then a month later, they'd say, oh, and here's more information. You know, and, and people would get very confused by this. And by a six to three vote, the Supreme Court actually said that that was unlawful. And the case came down to the meaning of the word A, because the law. Said The government has to send a letter and Hmm. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the opinion for the court. Very conservative, not generally a friend of immigrants, especially those who live here unlawfully. But what Gorsuch said was words have meaning. A letter is not the letters. And the government has to send a single letter with all this stuff if they want to legally start this proceeding and kick these people out. And by ruling that way, Gorsuch is actually going to save probably thousands of people from being removed from the United States.
0: Stay with us. We talk about two cases that the Supreme Court will rule on this summer and how they could impact you. What happens after a police officer shoots someone who's unarmed? For decades in California, internal affairs investigations, how the police police themselves, were secret. Until now. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. I want to go through some of the cases that we're waiting for rulings on, but I want you to... To choose your own adventure. Um, (laughs) The team here at It's Been a Minute, we've gone through the cases and kind of highlighted the four that we're most into and that are the most interesting to us, but I'm going to have you pick two of those four.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh,
0: Choose wisely.
1: So for for number one, can we do Fulton versus Philadelphia?
0: That was on the list. All right. Fulton, (laughs) Philadelphia is one. And then the other three that I want you to choose from the second one are Texas v. California, BC v. Mahoney, or... My personal favorite, because it's so quirky, Cedar Point Nursery versus Hasid.
1: Oh, uh, let's do the BLV Mahoney, the cursing okay. cheerleader. All right. That's a lot of fun. With that then, let's just start. Okay. First case that
0: is that we are awaiting a ruling on that you're going to talk about, Fulton versus Philadelphia. It is about gay adoption. Tell yes. us what it's about.
1: So it's specifically about a foster care agency in the city of Philadelphia that is run by a Catholic social services group that screens potential foster care parents. And this one agency, because it's Catholic, told the city of Philadelphia, hey, we love doing this, but we refuse to do it for same-sex couples because our Morals and our religious beliefs teach us that their marriages aren't real, that their relationships are wrong, and we cannot work with them without violating our own religious freedom. So the city of Philadelphia comes back and says, all right, look. You do a lot of good stuff for us, uh, and so we're not going to cut off all of our contracts with you, um, but we don't want you to keep screening parents because if you're discriminating against same-sex couples, then you're shrinking the pool of potential foster parents. And our number one goal is to get foster kids out of the system and into loving homes. And that act, what I just described, is, according to the agency in question, religious discrimination in violation of the First Amendment's free exercise clause. Mm. And so what the Supreme Court will decide is whether by canceling part of its contract with this Catholic foster care agency, whether the city of Philadelphia uh, infringed upon the agency's religious liberty to exercise its own beliefs.
0: So my first question when I was reading up on this case, and tell me if I'm being ignorant here, but I thought this kind of question was already answered. I thought it was decided by some courts, a lot of courts, that the gays can adopt
1: and they can get a wedding cake too. I thought this was done. Um, yes, it should be done, but with this Supreme Court, nothing is ever really done. Never say never. Okay. Uh, So there's no question, at least for now, that gay people can still get married. Gay people can adopt children. Gay people can be listed on their children's birth certificates, yada, yada, yada. Um, So this is not a question about state discrimination against gay people. This is a question about whether a city is required to fund a private group that discriminates against gay people, if that makes sense. And, you know, the, the answer should very clearly based on precedent be no, because a long time ago in a decision written by Anton and Scalia, who was, of course, very conservative. Teresa, as I call him. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Good old uh, Nino Scalia said... You know, if there is some kind of law or government action that burdens religious exercise, um, but it's not designed to burden religious exercise, you know, that's not the goal. This is just a kind of coincidence. Um, Then we're not going to stop that and we're not going to call this a constitutional violation and we're not going to give some kind of exception or accommodation to religious people just because they happen to be burdened by this law. And that would seem to be exactly what's going on here. But this court is extremely solicitous to the claims of religious people and religious liberty, and there is a real chance they could use this case to kind of overhaul the law in a way that won't just affect Philadelphia, but could affect all of those cases about baking a cake, taking pictures at a same-sex wedding, even government employees having to process gay couples' paperwork, all of that stuff could be affected based on how broad of a right the Supreme Court decides to give religious objectors here.
0: Really? Yeah. So under this new idea of some religious groups claiming that they're being burdened even if they're not being targeted, if the Supreme Court agrees with that take, what other religious groups— Doing whatever could make the same claims.
1: So, so sky's the limit, honey. Uh, I mean, really, wow. think about this. Think about all of the laws that burden your religion. Uh, in some small way. And with COVID, it's really obvious. Uh, Mm. You know, you have to wear a mask, but some people say, well, wearing a mask in church violates my religious beliefs. If there is a vaccine mandate in some states, people will say, well, getting vaccinated violates my religious beliefs. Mm. Uh, More broadly, um, really basic health and safety stuff. Like if OSHA comes and inspects the cafe in your... Uh, synagogue and says, well, we think that this is going to catch on fire and you need to fix it, they can say, oh, no, no, no. This is burdening our religious beliefs. Mm. You know, we, we we're not going to address mm. that. Uh, and, and more broadly, I mean, even just taking the tax code, like people pay taxes that support all kinds of things that violate their their religious tenets. And previously, the Supreme Court has said, "Well, too bad. We're not going to open the door to religious people poking holes in the tax code." But that could change after this, at least in theory. Uh, and, and then also look at Hobby Lobby, right? That was one company and one law. Them. But if the if, if 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 the Supreme Court goes all the way here, then every company that is run by religious people, every religious manager, every religious boss could say, well, I don't like hiring women because I think they should stay in home and raise their children. I don't want to hire Muslims because they go against my religious beliefs. And by the way, this was something the Trump administration was pushing. The Trump administration's Department of Labor tried really hard to implement exactly these kinds of rules for federal contractors to expand their ability to discriminate on the basis of religion. And uh, the Trump administration... Almost achieved that. I think the Biden administration is going to repeal it all, but the Supreme Court could soon write it into the First Amendment, and there's really no way for us to repeal that.
0: Coming up, we break down the case of the cursing cheerleader. Bring it on. We're going to skip Texas v. California. We already mentioned that. This is another challenge to Obamacare. But even Kavanaugh has already kind of signaled that he is not going to go with this. Obamacare will probably still stand. Uh, We're also going to skip my personal favorite, Cedar Point Nursery. Uh, Listeners, just go Google Mark Joseph Stern and Cedar Point Nursery because there are layers to that one. (laughs) Layers. you got to read it. But we are going to have you close with a discussion of, gosh... Uh, a case made for the internet and in meme stuff. BC v. Mahoney. What's that?
1: Okay, so am I allowed to curse on this show? I'm not clear on that. Yes, you are. Oh, yes, beautiful. You are. Okay, so this is about one of my favorite Supreme Court plaintiffs ever, a girl named Brandi <laughs> Levy. And when we she stand, was in. Brandy. We stand, Brandi. We stand. When she was in high school, she was a junior varsity cheerleader. She tried out for the varsity squad, and she didn't make it. And she was really upset. And she was hanging out with her friend at a convenience store called the Cocoa Hut. And she uh, (laughs) decided to go on Snapchat, and she snapped a picture of herself shooting the bird with the caption, school, softball, cheer, everything. Okay, Same girl, same. Same girl, same. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like I wake up every morning and say that now. It's my mantra. <laughs> uh, but the problem is, uh, one of the friends who saw this was the daughter of the cheerleading coach. Mm. And the cheerleading coach saw it and she said, mm, I'm so offended by this that I am going to suspend you from the cheer team for the rest of the year. Uh, also, can I just and- pause here to say the daughter of the coach was a snitch? No. My goodness. I, that's I, not how you win friends. That's <laughs> yeah. not how you win friends. Yeah. Um, okay, so 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 interesting case because a long time ago in 1969 during the Vietnam War, the Supreme Court said uh, students have a right to free speech at, at public schools, and these kids in the in the 1969 case were wearing black armbands to protest the war. The Supreme Court said, of course, that's you know free expression, but it's 2021 now, and a lot of student expression happens off campus. It happens as we know, online through Snapchat. And Mm -hmm. the courts have just absolutely lost their dang minds over the question of when and whether public schools can punish students for speech that occurs off campus, specifically speech that occurs on the internet. And so this is a fascinating case to me because, you know, in 1969, they had no idea what the internet was. They didn't even know about series of tubes or anything. Now the Supreme Court is a bunch of mostly old people, although I guess some of them are Gen X now, but they're trying to figure out Figure out, like, how do we apply this precedent to a a situation that no one back then could have possibly foreseen? And I really think that it it may turn out to be a huge mess. Uh, Justice Breyer admitted during arguments that he was frightened to death by this case. Um, What? Well, because. The, the Supreme Court justice. I too am are,
0: scared of high school cheerleaders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're scared of good old Brandy. What they're afraid of is the fact that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of public schools in this country, and mm. they want to draw a line here that mm. ensures that the kids who are, you know, protesting a war or maybe criticizing their cheerleading coach don't get punished. But at, at the same time, students who are genuinely disruptive or genuinely threatening or. Bullying or harassing can still be disciplined at school. And, you know, look, I I won't make a secret of it. Like, I think Brandy Levy should win this case. I think this is like a really clear-cut case for her. But I think Brandy
0: Levy needs a Netflix show,
1: personally. (laughs) A 10-part documentary is what I'm rooting for. Uh, But... At the same time, I was reading the briefs in this case, and a lot of states filed briefs saying, hey, look, we've got these anti-bullying laws, and a lot of them apply to speech that occurs on the internet, and we're scared that you, the Supreme Court, are going to basically nullify these laws that are disproportionately helpful to LGBTQ students, to students of color, to people who are targeted by bullies and harassment. So they're going to have a hell of a time figuring this one out.
0: Well, it's also just like, it's amazing that this found its way to the Supreme Court. <laughs> A Snapchat at the Cocoa Hut.
1: So my theory is that the court takes one fun free speech case every year, and this was clearly their one fun case. Now, it seems to be driving them crazy, so maybe they regret it. But, you know, you read the facts in this case, and you're like, I gotta see this. I
0: gotta see it. I mean, Brandi Levy, our hero, she basically said to her school— few times I've been around that track it's not just gonna happen like that she ain't no back girl she's not a back girl
1: preach Brandy is there any way to say
0: which way they'll go
1: I think they will rule for Brandy, but I think it'll be a really split decision. And there probably won't be a majority decision. And this happens sometimes in really complicated cases, the court splinters and you have three justices who say this and three who say something else and two who say something else and on and on. And I think that might be what happens here, which really defeats the purpose of the Supreme Court taking this case in the first place, because the whole goal was to answer the question definitively and provide guidance to lower courts. But I don't not see that happening here. And I think that they're probably just going to issue a kind of narrow decision that kicks the can down the road. Wow. Wow.
0: Those are the cases we got. There's more on these cases that you can find over at Slate where Mark Joseph Stern works. But I do want to ask you one or two big picture questions before I let you go. Yep. Um, two things that have kind of been in the air for a while. Actually, it's one big thing, and that is the number of justices – And who will get replaced when? Uh, Two things. Whatever happened to that expand the court stuff that we've been hearing about for a while about Biden possibly adding justices? And two, what's up with the Briar Retire movement?
1: Okay. So, one, Joe Biden created a commission that is going to study the courts and offer a history. of court reform and not offer guidance or suggestions, but just explain the possible options if Joe Biden wants to reform the courts. And that, to me, does not sound like a recipe for actually expanding the Supreme Court. So it seems like this was just a way to kind of snuff out court expansion. But I I don't think Biden wants to expand the court. I think he wants this issue to go away. And um, with his commission, he has created a way to at least kind of tread water for six months. Uh, Number two, what was number two? Briar Retire. Oh, yeah. You know, Steve Breyer is an interesting man. And we should say what this
0: is, first of all.
1: Okay, so Stephen Breyer is in his 80s. He was appointed by Bill Clinton to the Supreme Court. And basically every Democrat in the world thinks that he should retire right now, like at this moment that we are speaking, because, of course— Democrats only have 50 seats in the Senate, and many of their members in the Senate are like 90 and 100 and 110, Uh, so basically. So they could die at any time. And some of them Mm -hmm. live in states that have Republican governors who could replace them with the Republican and flip the Senate. And so many, many Democrats are telling Breyer, just retire now. Step down. Let Joe Biden name your replacement. Let that replacement be confirmed by the Senate while we have it. And go along your merry way, you know. Go do whatever he loves he 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 speaks french fluently he loves architecture and jazz he can Uh, go like go to france dude absolutely go to france (laughs) go to paris you know just sit on the seine wear a beret soak it all in my man but (laughs) it seems like he is in it for at least another year wow
0: what will happen next how will the court rule what Happens to Brandy Levy? Does <laughs> Briar go to France? Stay tuned for the next episode of The Real Housewives and Husbands of SCOTUS. <laughs> Thanks again to Mark Joseph Stern. He covers the Supreme Court over at Slate. This episode was produced by Janae West and edited by Jordana Hochman. Listeners, don't forget we're back in your podcast feeds this Friday with another episode. And for that, we want to hear the best thing that happened to you all week. Record yourself and send that file to us via email, samsanders at npr.org. All right, dear listeners, till Friday, thank you for listening. Be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We will talk soon.